Hey, what's up, everybody? You're truly back in the space, back in the place. Once again, Mickey Smith Jr. You know what time it is. It's the See the Sound podcast, the podcast that delves in a little bit deeper. We're not talking about the audible sound. We're talking about the internal sound, that significance that each and every one of us carries, that significance that has the ability to resonate or even repel an audience or a classroom or whatever stage or platform you may be on. And the good news is we all have a sound. We all have a unique personal significance. And today, just like any other day, we are going to delve into the life and the perspective of individuals that are not just sound adults, but are making a significant difference in everyday life. And I'm excited about our guest today. Uh, This gentleman is a bad man, y'all. This is my man here, Mr. Brandon Burns. He is the Assistant Director of Education for Eric Thomas and Associates. You know E.T., the hip-hop preacher. My man, Brandon, he calls himself the pimp to uh, E.T.'s Jordan, man. We are so excited to have you here today. Thank you for joining us, Brandon. Man, thank you so much. It's an honor to be here with you. Well, look, guys, look, guys, you know what it's all about. On the other side of this sound, you will see the sound. We are back. Once again, this is See the Sound and uh, yours truly, Mickey Smith Jr. Today's guest, guys, is uh, this is a fun one. This is special. It's a good friend of mine, Mr. Brandon Burns. Uh, I've, I've had the opportunity to get to know him. It's crazy over the last few years, man. And you know what's amazing? Until maybe, what, two months ago, I had never yeah. really met you. Yeah, <laughs> those COVID relationships, y'all, you know, with the pandemic and everything, uh, so much of what we had done and the time we had spent together was virtual, uh, but it was significant and uh, really gotten to to see you uh, professionally and personally and the work that you're doing is second to none. So for, for our audience members out there who may not be familiar with you, uh, who may not be familiar with a, a, a Dr. Eric Thomas and E.T., uh, tell us a little bit about about who you are and uh, just just kind of let us know a little bit about about my man, Coach B. Man, I'd love to. I'd love to. It It is a long story. There's been a lot of uh, ups and downs along the way, but I'll do my best to condense it a little bit and give you the cliff notes. But, you know, I'm just a small town kid, uh, originally born and raised Huntsville, Alabama, which is where I'm at right now, actually. And, um, you know, from there. I started uh, gymnastics at the age of 10. So my real background is in athletics, right? Um, for those of you who know anything about that sport, 10 years old is already ancient, wow. you know, for a gymnast yeah. to get started. Uh, most of these kids that make it to high level, they start at the age of two or three. So I was already kind of behind the eight ball, but I just fell in love with it, man. It was uh, truly a passion from day one. I'm not sure what led me to it. Nobody in my family had ever done anything with it. I'd never seen it on TV for whatever reason you know, uh, some, some sort of seed was planted in me. And I said, this is what I really want to do. So, uh, started competing at the age of 16. I only competed for two years before walking on to, uh, the two time defending national championship team, <laughs> the, the Michigan Wolverines. Um, so that was a, a crazy time in and of itself. People telling me, Oh, you can't only compete for two years and then go to that team. And, uh, unfortunately, you know, as much of a experience as that was, some of them were right. You know, I was cut from the team four times in five years. It doesn't take a sports analyst to know uh, that that's not a great ratio. That's not that doesn't look great on a stat sheet. Right. But it was just a phenomenal experience. Um, And my last year in college, I pivoted into coaching. Right. And that was when I really hit my stride. I went from being cut from the team four times in five years to winning two Big Ten championships Mm -hmm. as a, a coach just like that, because that was really more true to who I was. And I just fell in love with that process as well. And so. From there, I started getting into professional coaching. Um, I loved anything and everything to do with personal development, leadership development, um, just trying to figure out 
what creates high performance. You know, that was always my thing. And so from there, ended up meeting this guy that we all know and love, Mr. E.T., Eric Thomas. And I found out that uh, he only lived about an hour and a half away from me at the time because I was at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. And he lived, uh, again, about an hour and a half away. And so basically what I did, Mickey, was just make sure that any and everything that he did for about a, a two year time span, I was there. If it was at least within striking distance, if it was in range, I made sure that I was there. Um, that opportunity turned into an internship. And there's a whole story we can get into of me chasing down the parking lot and asking for an internship, but we'll save that for, for later in the episode. And uh, that internship turned into a full-time job and that full-time job turned into some truly unbelievable experiences. So like you said, now um, I have multiple different roles within the company, but that, that core role I would say is assistant director of education for ETA. Um, and we do everything from, you know, using a tool called the disc assessment to help coach students, teachers, athletes, other coaches, you name it, we've probably worked with them. Uh, so I'm excited to delve into that as well, but I guess I'll leave it there for now. Wow. Wow. There's so much unpacked there, man. That, that's some good stuff. I mean, there's so many little mini miracles in this story. Like, like, mm -hmm. honestly, man, like, I, I can see the movie small town boy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, like nobody's, and look, I'm, I'm, I'm originally from Louisiana and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, uh, LSU has a strong gymnast, um, program, particularly female gymnast program there. But mm -hmm. to be honest with you, there's just not an abundance of folks in Louisiana just doing the whole gymnastics thing. Everybody's football, <laughs> baseball, right? Uh, That's it. so I can imagine being in Alabama, you're not seeing a lot of this first miracle is that this this opportunity comes your way um and then now you're going to michigan state i mean no, well, excuse me oh no 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 university oh of come, come on, on. i was waiting on it <laughs> which brought up my next thing you're at university of michigan and you 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 have connected with this spartan named et like they're just they're just so much stuff to unpack look i, I did that on purpose i do i we we were just testing you to see if you was a true wolverine man go blue go blue Oh, I can't, I can't let you just, just roll by that. Like you didn't just say what you just said, you know, we got to address it. <laughs> I'm telling you, there's just so much to this. And the biggest thing that, that just strikes me when I listen to your story and I'm hearing you talk is that ability to see the unseen, that ability mm -hmm. to be even in an environment that is not right. Right. So it would be so easy for you. I would imagine, or it seems like it'd be easier for you if there was just this plethora of you know, competitive gymnast out there and, and you saw it, it was no different than if you, if it were football, we totally understand what that looks like in Alabama. We get that. Right. Right. Uh, but, but for this thing, you said it yourself, you know, it just, it wasn't even on your radar. So, so mm -hmm. what were some things that kept you inspired to do this when I would imagine like your friends that you hung with before you got into gymnastics, I, I can't mm -hmm. imagine that they were like, really geeked up about this or celebrating this. What are some things that helped you along? Because as a teacher, I can speak right now that I'm in a situation where I'm creating something that has not been seen. And there are certain naysayers, great people, but they're just like, Mickey, it can't be done. I had so many people tell me, Mickey, you can't, you can't put a viable program together with the constraints that you've been faced with. I only see my students once a week. And I'm, I'm so excited and, and proud to say that last week at the time of this recording, we put together one of the strongest uh, showcases, concerts 
that that I've ever been a part of and that that school has ever seen. Uh, now, it doesn't change the fact that I would like to change some of the parameters and see the kids a little bit more frequently. But it's just a reminder that just because somebody hasn't seen it doesn't mean it can't be done. So what were the things that kept you going, so to speak, even when everything around you just didn't match up with what you were trying to be? Man, that's a phenomenal question. And I'm going to give you a little bit of a cliche answer, um, but I truly, truly believe that it's the truth. Um, I didn't need anything to keep me going. Mm. I really didn't because, and there's a couple of things to unpack with that. So the first thing is obviously, like you said, growing up in Alabama, there's no male gymnast. And when I say there's no male gymnast, I mean, at state championships at level 10, at the highest level that you can compete in high school, it was me and my teammate. Wow. That wow. Was it. Two guys. And so it was funny because at the end, when we're doing the results, they've got the podium, they've got one and two, him and I would just swap back and forth. Oh, for the different man. Events. I the wish they had footage there. of that. that is <laughs> <laughs> you know, so there was nothing to, uh, there was no guiding light that I could look at and say, that's what I want to do. You know, occasionally sure. the Olympics come on TV or something like that. And I can watch that. But as in terms of actually being able to see it in person and be there, um, I didn't have that experience. But what kept me going was I just loved it so much. I didn't need a reason because I would have been doing it anyway. I just loved the process. I loved the work. I loved constantly getting better. I loved getting beaten up in the gym every once in a while. I loved that I, I failed occasionally and I had to figure out a way to come back. I loved the whole experience. You know, I just fell in love with that process. And when you fall in love with the process of something, the prize is almost an afterthought. Because if you just stick with the process, eventually something's going to unfold, mm -hmm. right? So that was the first thing. The second thing I would say is, you know, when I was 16, I ended up going to a gymnastics camp. Um, I'm sorry. I think I was probably 15 the first time I went there. A uh, little place in the middle of nowhere, Tennessee, town called Crossville. And the camp was owned by a couple of Olympians. And they draw gymnasts from around the country uh, every single summer to go train there. That was the first time, Mickey, that I ever saw anybody do what I was doing at a high level. I'd never seen another gymnast in person do anything like that. And then it really, it, it added confidence to what I already had, because I was already saying, well, you know what, I'm going to be doing this anyway, so why not? Um, but then when I saw other people my age doing the same thing, all of a sudden it didn't matter that I started late. It didn't matter that I'm from a small town gym that doesn't have some of the equipment. It doesn't matter any of those things. And the naysayers, it didn't matter what they said either, because I saw somebody who looked like me doing the same things that I was trying to do, you know, getting these college scholarships and everything else. So I said, well, that's just a guy, just like I'm just a guy. So what's the difference here? If they can do it, I can do it. And so I think um, while you don't need to be able to see it like that, if you fall in love with the process, it certainly, certainly helps, you know, just getting around that environment. So just a couple of things. There. Oh, that's good. That's good. You know, and again, I love that you gave practical application. You know, the, Brandon, the thing is, folks will listen to this podcast. And we have folks that are listening that are lifelong um, uh you know, students, they're educators, they're, they're supporters of education. There's folks that honestly have nothing to do per se with a classroom, but the process of teaching and, and the perspective that teachers have is something that intrigues them, makes them want to tune in. So when we talk about keep on going, that's a message right now that really speaks and, and, and hopefully resonates to educators who are going through difficult times right now. And they don't need another uh, classroom management flex necessarily or uh, some type of pedagogical tool that they can add to their toolbox. They are literally in survival mode. They're just like, how can I get through this day? And, and hearing you speak about how love supersedes sight, 
right? Like like the love mm. of something is so strong. I don't even need to see it because I feel it. Um, that that mm-hmm. that really speaks to me, and and I and I hope it speaks to that educator out there who is looking but not seeing. They're looking in that classroom and they don't see anything like they thought it was going to be. It's important that we go back to the love, that we go back to the heart of it. And that sounds cliche, like you said, but the fact of the matter is, cliches are there because there's truth in them. So if there were no truth, it wouldn't it wouldn't have lasted. So so I'm all about the quote unquote cliche because if you look there long enough, you'll find something that'll last. You know. Let me let me add one thing to that as well. I think standards supersede sight as well. Mm-hmm. There's multiple ways that you can go about this, right? And so I had almost a repeat of the same experience when I got to college, right? Like I said, I was cut from the team four times in five years. And so people all the time would ask me, B, why are you doing this again? Like we, we've already seen that we've, we've seen this movie before. Why are you coming back a third year in a row, a fourth year in a row after you've just been cut so many times to try and do this thing all over again? You know, you're, you're turning down uh, money. Cause at this point, you know, college athletes couldn't get paid for anything. And I had a big social media. So I was turning down financial incentives. Um, my body was beaten up. I'd had surgery already because of, you know, injuries and things like that. You know, there's no results here. So why would you keep coming back? And the thing that I kept coming back to is the way you do anything is the way you do everything. And my standard was, I said, I was going to do everything in my power to compete for that team and add the most value to that team. So just because I have some challenges or some roadblocks that I didn't necessarily anticipate, it doesn't affect my standard of excellence. It doesn't affect what I said I was going to do. And so if you're having one of those days or one of those years or one of those, you know, however long of a time period it is where you're in that zone, like you said, Mickey, where you just don't see the way out. Remember why you started and remember who you are. People don't take things personally enough. That's a weird thing to say, but people don't take things personally. People quit and they don't take that as a reflection of their character and who they are. That's not right. It is a reflection of who you are and what you're made of. So why would you compromise on that standard just because you don't have the sight? Mm. Mm, that's good. That's good. And 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 for educators out there, you know, we know we all know about benchmarks and standards. Like like you don't even get into a classroom without having those national benchmarks, those national standards, those mm. state standards, district level standards. Why? Because it's it's like my grandmother when I was little, she used to uh she was on a fixed income. It was broke. It was a, it was a fixed income, man. <laughs> so she get a little SSI check and I remember she had bad knees. She had uh, arthritis. So I always mm. remember she wrote down her grocery list on the back of her SSI envelope, right? Her Social Security income mm. envelope. And and that, that always struck me. And as I got older and I began to understand the game <laughs> that the supermarkets play, when I begin to understand the game that, that, that the casinos or the different folks play in that they don't mm. want you to go into their space with clarity. They want you to be mm. distracted. They want you to go in. They want you to go in there for toothpaste and come out with a lawnmower, right? Come out with a sixty-seven <laughs> inch TV. They want you to just be emotional when you go in there. But grandmother was like, "I don't have enough to be emotional with this. I have to have a standard." She wrote it down, and when she went in with her grocery list, she knew exactly what she needed to go get, and she wasn't distracted or dismayed by anything else that they tried to throw in her sight. And I think for us, like you said before, it's so important that we have that standard. Not, not just that we hold ourselves to, but it becomes a compass. It becomes a compass that, that brings us to that point of promise that, that, that our heart, that love, 
you know, spoke to us at the beginning because, you know, love is it's, it's fleeting. It's a feeling and feelings will fail you. It's all I love the love. It's good, but we can't live a steady diet on that thing. We got to have some standard to balance that as well, too. So um, I, I love that. And I love the whole idea of it being personal. You know, uh, you know, I think he says, don't 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 make don't take it personal make it personal right right so 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 we don't want to take personal offense when life happens you know whether it's in the classroom outside the classroom but we want to make sure that we make it a work of heart not just a work of art but a work of heart that carries us through the difficulty and and i think that's so important um that we have that but like any work of art uh that's that's great rarely is it done alone even the soloistic painter still has to have somebody to display their work in the museum or the conductor needs the musicians. It takes an ensemble effort. And hearing you talk about going to that camp and seeing somebody yeah. like you, seeing somebody, seeing, I, I don't even want to call it a role model, seeing a supermodel, seeing somebody there that right. made this thing like, oh, abundantly clear that I can do this. Mm -hmm. That's so important to have that exposure. And whether it's a podcast like this or it's a clinic or a workshop, uh, our professional development. I want to challenge educators out there to take this advice and, and, and make sure that you're putting yourself around folks that uplift you and undergird you and, and make sure that you say no to the naysayers in this season and say no to the no's. Now, when I say that, I really mean the news, B. I mean the news, but I'm going to say no to the no's because the news sometimes is so negative. So um, I got you in here today because you are you are definitely nothing negative about you, man. I've watched you you obviously work with a motivational speaker. And if anybody doesn't know, Eric Thomas is is world's number one motivational speaker, just an amazing individual. But what I love most about him is his heart for our future. His heart is really in education and he has a background in the classroom. Uh, but like any great educator, he knows that nothing is done alone. So he has this initiative that you spoke about earlier. Uh, B, if you could talk to us about uh, the educational element of Eric Thomas and Associates. And, and, and you talked about this disc, and that's going to be so important because I think so much of our success hinges upon perspectives and patterns, having a perspective for how things are, understanding certain patterns. And uh, I believe the disc is something that's so powerful uh, with this called the flight assessment. So so talk with us a little bit about, about your, your role in that and, and, and how you see that benefiting educators in this season. Yeah, that's a that's a phenomenal question. Uh, my specific role goes everywhere from you know content creation when we come out with a new program for students or teachers um, that that revolves around the disc assessment. I'm involved with that. Um, of course, anytime you're around ET, you, you by osmosis become a speaker. Um, so I do a little bit of that as well. Um, you know, professional development trainings on the assessment and, and things of that nature. But the assessment to me is so powerful because I like to explain it like this. It takes things that we kind of understand and it makes them clear. It takes things that we know, but can't really pin down and really, really clarifies. Mm. And so what I mean by that is the disc assessment is just a behavioral analysis tool, uh, similar to a personality test. Uh, there's some nuance there, some psychological nuances there, but the, the main idea is it profiles your behavior, right? It's predictive of how you might behave in any given situation. And so when I say that it kind of takes the things that we sort of understand and makes them clear, what I mean by that is we know that everybody's not like us. 
right? We know that we naturally get along with certain people better than we do other people. We know that some people are just these natural bundles of energy. And we know some people are more calculative and, you know, maybe a little bit quieter, but they're thinkers. We know that people have these differences and we know that we interact with these people differently, but it's hard for us to say, you know, put a, a name onto that. It's hard for us to really pin down what that is and how do we use it more importantly. And so really it's a tool to gain self-awareness and awareness of others. And the reason that's so important, Mickey, is, you know, if I go out to my car right now and, and let's just focus on self-awareness for now, if I go to my car and I know exactly where I'm trying to go. So I open up my GPS, I open up Waze, Google Maps, whatever you use. And I know, I mean, to the specific latitude and longitude where I'm trying to go. And I plug that into my GPS, but for whatever reason, something's broken and it doesn't know where I am currently. It doesn't know the starting position. It will not calculate a route because it doesn't know where you're coming from. That's what the disc assessment does in terms of self-awareness. It says, hey, we're not putting you in a box. We're not defining you. We're not saying that this is who you are or how you're supposed to be. We're just saying this is how you currently show up to people. This is how people perceive your communication. This is how you might prefer or tend to go about any given situation, right? And then likewise, when we talk about awareness of other people, if I have that information about you, now all of a sudden, any conversation, any communication, any collaborative effort, any connection that I'm trying to make with you is that much easier because I know about you as an individual. Wow. So it's a, it's a super, super powerful tool. You know, and, and, and I'm listening to it. I'm taking all this in. Um... And, and I'm thinking about how many times as an educator, I found myself frustrated in a classroom as we were preparing for uh, assessment or we were preparing for a performance or we were trying to get uh, just something together. And the thing about the thing about band, some folks may be listening going, what, what does this band guy know about teaching? Okay, music education is like the most incredibly high level of differentiated instruction. Like like in the in the math class, for those that that may I don't want to throw out jargon for those that may not be educators, but in a regular classroom, let's just say math, if Johnny makes an A and Susie makes a D, Johnny don't care. Okay. <laughs> Unless Susie is his boo. Like he just doesn't care. He still it doesn't affect his GPA. But when we talk mm -hmm. about ensemble and band, we're only as good as all the parts together. So, so it's one of those things where we have the incredible challenge of not just giving out the information, but making sure that everyone that's involved in the endeavor brings it to a level of mastery. And, and, and to my English and math and science, and I'm not throwing shade or not being any kind of negative way, but I would, I, I would challenge, I would challenge those educators out there to be held to a standard where every single child has to reach mastery. It's, 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 it's a challenge that we call our everyday normal in that world. So for me, this assessment is so powerful and hearing you talk about it is so powerful because I can remember times in the classroom where I would be uh, faced with students and I didn't know how to engage them. I didn't know how to elevate them. I didn't know how to educate them. And here comes an experience. They got that little gray in the in the beard. Maybe they got a little gray in the hair. I don't know that that individual comes in and look, B, they literally say one sentence or one word or they just do one thing and all of a sudden they get a response and they get production out that I, I couldn't get out. And I'm thinking, how are they doing this? And I realized something that's so important. Not only did they have a grasp of the subject matter, but they understood that each student mattered. They were behavior detectives. 
They mm. knew, okay, where I got caught up with how Johnny was acting and he seemed defiant or he seemed a certain way. They didn't try to change Johnny. They just understood I need to change the way that I present what I'm presenting to them. And I need to maybe uh, have a different perspective. And, and, and that is so important, especially in today's modern classroom, because it's not like when we were coming up where, you know, do as I, I say, do as you're told. It's just different. You can't operate that way. And a lot of educators are frustrated. And they're looking for tools that can help them manage not the classroom necessarily, but the behavior. So, so talk to me again about uh, a little bit about behavior management. I'm hearing this. You said it's kind of hard to identify the behaviors. Like it's, it, you get it, you can study it, but sometimes people have a hard time putting a name to it, putting a classification to it. Uh, how, how, how does one go about that? Can you give me a, a, a general description of, of these, of these behaviors or I, I call them the sounds. What are the sounds to the ensemble? What, who are the characters, the cast of characters that we're dealing with? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, we have fun with it. We took it from the disc assessment, which was originated in 1928 by a guy named Dr. William Marston. Um, it's a little bit old fashioned. So we tried to refresh it mm. for the new era. Uh, so we call it the flight assessment. Okay. And so instead of D, I, S and C as those four different behavior uh, styles, we use pilot, flight attendant, grounds crew and air traffic control. I like that. Right. And the reason we do that is because if you start, especially if you're working with kids, and we don't even necessarily recommend that you explain this to your kids. If you start using these concepts with them, the most important thing is that you know, mm -hmm. and you execute on the information that you have, whether they are understanding what they're receiving is almost irrelevant. But if you do try and start talking to them about this assessment and you say, well, you know, in 1928, a uh, positive psychologist, William Marston created this, this theory uh, of the disc asset, you've lost exactly. They, they, they could care less. But most people uh, in this day and age, they at least even if they've never been on an airplane, I didn't get on an airplane until I was 17 years old. So I don't hey, know if I can even talk about it. Me, but, hey. <laughs> right, right. Uh, but we at least have seen it, right? Whether it's on TV, a video game, you've seen an airplane, you kind of understand the way that things work, right? Uh, and so to really simplify it, your pilot is the person who uh, could sometimes be mischaracterized as a bully mm. because they care all about the results. They care about the bottom line. You think about an airplane, they're in the front. They're driving the airplane. They're getting that thing from point A to point B. They're not talking to the people, at least not much. That's, That's the flight attendant's job. They're not talking to the people. They're not putting baggage on the airplane. They're not serving food. They fly the plane. They get results. They have a vision. They sit in the front so they can see everything right? That's who they are. And that's what they care about. It doesn't mean that they're not, uh, you know, that they're just uh, uncaring of people's emotions. It doesn't mean that they can't do any of these other things. It just means that's what they're focused on. That's their thing, right? So the flight attendant, a little bit different, still kind of extroverted personality, but they're more of your people, people, okay. right? You get on the plane, they're talking to you. Hey, welcome aboard. Hope you're having a phenomenal day. You know, nowadays in, in COVID times, they hand you the little mm -hmm. sanitizing wipe. <laughs> you tell you what to do with it and everything else. So they're, they're talking to the people. They're serving you food. They're giving you whatever you need in those moments, right? Your grounds crew. I don't know if, if, if all of our listeners know this, but an airplane doesn't have a reverse. 
You can't back a plane up. You know what? You're saying the listener, the host didn't know that. <laughs> we can, like, we can, we can close out right now. We all just learned something. <laughs> We're in it together. But yeah, an airplane can't back up on its own. The jet only works in one way. So they have these little um, uh, truck looking things that are on the ground that the grounds crew gets in. And of course, they've got other responsibilities. They wave the plane down. They put the baggage on. But they literally push the plane away from the gate so that it can take off. So they do all these little support tasks, right? And then lastly, that air traffic controller, they're kind of the eyes in the skies. And those are your detail people. So they're, they're really taking notes of every single detail. Every single second is critical to them. Um, and, and they're really the planners and the critical thinkers of the group. So really, uh, you've got that person who is results driven. You've got the people that are people driven. You've got the people who are support driven, right? And then you've got the people who are process driven. And really, Mickey, those are the four types of people that you've got in your in your class. And I want to be clear about this one point, too, though. It doesn't mean that those students in your class fit in a box. Ah, it's not at all okay. what we're saying. What we're saying is people tend to lean into one more than the other four. Yeah, We all are made up of all four, of course. In different situations, we can be one way compared to a di- another situation. We act a little bit differently. you know. But we all have our, our preset, our default that we kind of go back to in any particular situation. And so if we can start to understand, you know, oh, this person, they really like the details. I need to kind of speak to them in a more step-by-step fashion because that makes them feel comfortable with what we're talking about. Or swing to the other side. Let's talk about that pilot. They don't care anything about the details. I'm, to, to them, I'm wasting their time. I need to go bullet points, move quickly, and connect what I'm telling them to the end result. And now I've got buy-in from them because I spoke to them in a way that they understand. You know, there's this um, Nelson Mandela quote, that says, if you speak to a man in a language that he understands, it goes to his head. But if you speak to a man in his language, it goes to his heart. Mm. What we're really trying to do with the DISC assessment is understand who's on the other side of that communication. Because as we know, communication is not key. Comprehension is key. And so I'm trying to understand who I'm talking to. And I'm trying to uh, maneuver my communication to make sure that you're comprehending what I'm saying to get better buy-in and better results from any interaction that I have with anybody. That's it. You know, you quoted Nelson Mandela. If I could quote Chris Tucker, do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? <laughs> I'm just saying that's it. You sp- Look, look, for those that are listening, did you catch that? You know, communication? Yeah, cool. Comprehension. Comprehension is the key. That is the essential element. Uh, you know, it, th- there's so much to think about with this. I, you know, I, I'm a lot of folks think that I'm a flight attendant. I'm just be honest with you. I, I got folks like Mickey, you know, he, he got the hat and he's he's he got the red and he's, you know, that he's jacket. doing his thing. He's, <laughs> he's, he's flat. I'm gonna be honest right now. I am struggling because I can't get past the fact that planes don't back up. I'm 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 air traffic control. <laughs> so I'm that dude. I was in your class. Like teachers ready to move on, and I'm still stuck. I'm still stuck on that bad boy. Like, are we still on page two? So, so I'm I I can't help but think about you know, Brandon, as you talk about this, there's so much to unpack with this, and we we definitely can't do it in this session, and and, and we're definitely going to make uh, opportunity available for folks to find out more about this. Um, but but the the fact of the matter is, you know, I, I sit with you today, so to speak, and we're talking right now. And I'm a seven-time teacher of the year, okay? Named Grammy Music Educator of the Year Award recipient. And, and, and listen, I don't say any of that to impress anybody that's listening, but to impress upon you this idea that statistically, I should not be any of those things because it was very, very few teachers up until a certain point in my life 
who saw anything of value in me because number one i had three strikes and all three of them came from where i was born from okay the, the little mm -hmm. community i resided right. in it was like if you said it was almost shameful in some circles to say you from Mossville, Louisiana. And I had no shame about it, but I just understood that the moment I said that to a certain uh, demographic, to a certain uh, segment of the population, they automatically discount you because what good right thing could come out yeah. of Mossville, Louisiana, right? <laughs> As a matter of fact, they even shut our school down, man, closed the whole school and they bust us out to other schools. So now you have all these other schools that weren't necessarily excited about the influx of Mossvillians, right? Right. So, so I'm, I'm setting this up because I have it in front of me right now. No joke. I promise you, we didn't, this is not staged, but I'm sitting here right <laughs> now with my, my sixth grade report card. And I am a C and D student in this, in this sixth grade report card. Now I got some sweet A's in band, had that on lock and look PE. I just knew I was going to the NBA, but the sad part is I'm looking at this. I got a C in PE in the fourth grading period. I don't even understand how you get a C. But anyway, so I'm looking at this and I have, I got ends for conduct in, got a bunch of ends on there. And they said things like, he talks too much in class. He's disruptive. Okay. He makes too much noise, right? Boom, 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 boom making beats and stuff. He, he's, he's draws too much. He's distracted. Fast forward. Not only did I become student of the year for my school in middle school, not only did I go on to be the first male in my family to graduate from high school and the first in my family to get a college degree, degrees, plural, but now I get paid to talk too much as a public speaker and trainer. I get paid to make too much noise as a musician. And I also get paid to draw too much as an award-winning illustrator. But it mm. came from an individual who knew nothing about the disc, or at least I don't believe he knew anything about tools such as this, but he was a behavior detective. Uh, Corporal Durlin Paul Ancelette, okay, military dude. I may have misspoke his ranking, but I think he was a corporal. Anyway, Durlin Paul Ancelette. Uh, Mr. Ancelette was my sixth grade geography teacher, but he saw something in me and he understood that those things that weren't defeat that weren't they weren't deficiencies they were they were superpowers in disguise and as i hear you talking about this i think this empowers an educator to look at their classroom again for the first time to look at their students again for the first time because some of y'all like i've been looking at them mickey they they have they have behavior <laughs> problem i don't really think they're behavior problems i think there's problem behaviors and somebody uh, a friend of mine shared me a few weeks back they said there really aren't any bad children they're just sad children and at first i was like oh that's cute but then the more i thought about it even that kid that that can some kind of some kind of way push the buttons we realize they don't really come into this thing called life necessarily trying to be inherently negative but they're looking mm. for ways to show that emotion they're looking for ways to cope and many times kids that need love the most show it in the most <laughs> unusual ways and most unloving yeah. ways and sometimes it's not even unloving it's just different it's different than mm. what we want so I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna share this with you and i'm gonna just bounce it to you and then we're gonna we're gonna come back with this powerful thing that we do call our our sound check but but B, I want you to think about this, and I want our listeners to think about this. When we don't embrace ideas, concepts, principles, tools, 
such as what you've shared today, when we continue to try to give what we have the way that we want it, it's no different than a scenario. <laughs> if we went to the restaurant and I'm your waiter and mm -hmm. I walked out to your table and you told me you wanted the steak, but I looked at you and honestly, you know, man, there's really no reason for you not to have a steak. You know, you, you in shape, man, you know, you, you got it going on, right? But I look at you and I'm like, nah. And I come out with the Caesar salad or the house salad. And you're like, okay, that's cool. You're thinking it's the appetizer, but the steak never comes out. And then you call me back and you're like, hey, I ordered a steak and I, and I make the comment, yeah, I heard what you said, but you looked like you needed a salad today. Uh, HR is going to get a call. I'm just saying like, like my manager is going to get, a, I can tell you right now. Cause one thing you don't mess with in Louisiana, it may be different in Alabama. You don't mess with people's food. I'm just saying, you don't, you don't make friends by messing with people's food. So, so in the same Dangerous. sense, if we order something, but somebody keeps bringing us the thing we didn't ask for, it can leave mm -hmm. any of us in a bad situation. And for so many of us, the children are telling us what they need, but we're giving them what we want. And I think it's so important that we understand that there is no one size fits all. There's no cookie cutter, that every child is a unique individual. And that uniqueness may be different than the individual that is giving out the content and the subject matter. Um, so, I, you know, I mean, you, you, your thoughts on on the value of this, if I'm an educator, you know, I, I, I want you to kind of pitch it to me. What's What's the value of me coming outside of necessarily my mirror and, and start looking with eyes of a, a lens of love through a window? What does that what does that do for a, a teacher? What's the benefit of that? Uh, you get results. <laughs> That's the benefit. You, you, you get results, you know, because that old adage of people don't care how much, you know, until they know that you care. It's cliche. But, you know, sometimes things become cliche because they're true. Um, I remember I had a coach, Mickey a while back. This was when I was about 16 years old. Um, and I met him at that camp that I went to. Right. And when I was 16, you like you, if you, if somebody came to you and told you that I was doing what I'm doing now, you, you might slap them because you just say, you're lying to me. Why are you lying to me? Yeah. In my face? Right. Um, I was anxious of everything. I was scared of everything. Mm -hmm. Right. I didn't want to compete. Um, there, there were some different things of, you know, why I started at 10 and didn't start competing until 16 money was a thing. I had to work a job to, you know, pay my own meat fees and things like that. And the gym that I was at didn't have a competitive team. And there's a bunch of challenges, but one of the bigger ones was internal. Mm -hmm. I didn't have the confidence to go out there and compete. I didn't think I was good enough. And I was afraid of making a mistake in front of people. And so I met this coach who kind of learned a little bit about my situation and what was going on. And he said, why don't you come to my gym and train for free? And it was such a good deal that my mom literally confronted my man and said, what's in this for you? Mm -hmm. Are you trying to gain reputation? Are you trying to get more, more people to have eyes on your gym? Like, what's in this for you? Why are you doing this? And it took some convincing, but it was truly, he just, he just wanted to help out. Right. And so I start going to his gym um, and I trained there for about six months in that six month period that was what convinced me to finally compete. Had I not done that, I never would have gone to Michigan. I never would have met Eric Thomas. I never would have, I wouldn't be the person that I am today. And what I didn't tell you about all of that is during that whole process, six months, he's letting me come to his gym and train for free. By the way, I never competed for him. His gym was three hours away from my house. I ended up having to go back to a different gym in my hometown of Huntsville and compete for them. So he got nothing from it other than my development. And here's the crazy thing, Mickey, I've worked with some impressive people. 
you know, and I'm not saying that to brag, but I've worked with some impressive coaches, people that in the gymnastics world, you would know their names. They've, they've been to the Olympics themselves or they've coached Olympians, you know, some of the top tier coaches from around the world, hundreds of them. Um, and this guy was able to get me to break through fears. He was able to get me to break through, you know, barriers with not just the technical skills, but my me skills, understanding me that none of these other impressive people could ever get me to do. And the part that I didn't tell you about all of that is that during that entire uh, time where we worked together, he was battling stage four cancer. Right. And so one day, many, many years later, when I was uh, in college, I got a call that said, Hey, he, he's just been released to the hospital. His name was Larry coach, Larry. So he's just been released from the hospital. They say there's nothing else that they can do. He's got about 30 days left. Cancer went from, uh, you know, I think he had colon cancer and then it spread to his bones and his blood. And he, you know, it was a, a pretty bleak situation. So I called him immediately. I said, I'm going to be, this was a Sunday that I found this out. Right. Just got released from the hospital that day. I called him. I said, I'll be on your front porch on Thursday. I got some work things I got to finish up, you know, whatever, but I'm going to be on your front porch on Thursday. I said, don't try and talk me out of it because that's the kind of guy that he was, but I'm going to be there on Thursday. And unfortunately, Mickey, he didn't make it until Tuesday and he passed away. And here's the crazy part about it, though. When it was time for the funeral and granted, this was in COVID times. This was this was 2020. But remember now he lives in the middle of nowhere, Tennessee. And when I say middle of nowhere, I mean, he's in the middle of nowhere. They don't have these restrictions like New York and Los Angeles and these big cities that say, oh, you can't go anywhere without, you know, these restrictions and everything else. It was just a small town. And then somebody called me and said, we've got to cancel the funeral. Nobody can come. You know, it's just going to be his wife. And and that's pretty much it. Immediate family going to have like 10 people there. uh, And that's all. And I was confused until I realized that if you were a gymnast, probably between about 1980 to 2020 in Tennessee, Alabama, Georgia, surrounding areas, you probably knew Larry. And he probably impacted you in a similar way that he impacted me. And that's when it dawned on me, it's way more important to be impactful than it is impressive. Mm. And so now with everything I do, I'm not even thinking about, you know, money or fame. It's just when I die, they're going to have to shut my whole funeral down because that's how much of impact I made. That's what I think about now. But the reason I tell you that story, Mickey, is because I do believe that he had a little bit of that in him naturally. I think he was just a good dude with a good heart and he wanted to connect with people and help people for no gain to himself. I really think he just wanted to connect with people. But the disc assessment, he was using it even though he didn't know anything about it. Because he understood me. He's like your, your story earlier. He was a behavioral detective. He knew I was nervous of the whole world. <laughs> he knew I was afraid. And so he approached me in a way that most coaches don't. You know, in sports coaching, it's hard yeah. driving. You're going to do this. They're yelling at you. He would just come talk to me on the side during practice in between turns. And say, hey, man, how are you doing? You know, what, what, where are we at with all of this process and everything? And that ability to connect with me was what made such an impact on me. And I, like I said, I wouldn't be where I am today without this man. And so what I think the DISC assessment does to circle back to your point of what are the benefits of it, it's almost a cheat code to being able to do that. I'll just be honest with you. Not everybody can do that naturally. Mm -hmm. I'm not that guy that's just so in tune with other people that I can automatically go to somebody and help them through stuff like that and create that impact. I need a system. The DISC assessment gave me a system. I said, I know you're one of these four behavior styles. I know how to communicate with you. I know how to talk to you. I know how you think, and I know how to connect with you. And if I know how to connect with you, I know how to impact you. And that's going to get results for you and for me, no matter what we're doing. So that's the benefit of it. Wow. Achievement through breakthrough and connection. That's it. Yeah. I love that. My man, I said, what's the benefits? He's like results. And and, and, I, and I'm not saying this is not a, a sales pitch. I, I, look, I, I've, I've experienced this firsthand. 
I, I'd like to think that I, on some level, I was that individual teacher that knew how to connect with the students, but I was playing street ball. I didn't really know what I was doing. And sometimes it was difficult to duplicate the, the process again. But once I begin to become aware of this system that we're talking about, now it is a structure and it's a systematic approach that allows me to have greater perspective. So the achievement goal is now reached. The achievement mark is improved. Why? Because I understand that in order for them to have the personal breakthrough, you can't separate that from the personal breakthrough. Well, it's professional and personal has to go together. We can't, we can't separate the individual from the academics. Like they're all the same. And that breakthrough in your case, you know, it was a matter of it. You know, for some people, it's the enemy. Some people, it's the enemy, right? Right. And that individual, that's that behavior uh, strategist, that behavioral detective has to know who he's dealing with or she's dealing with to see the difference. And then, like you said, of course, when when somebody helps you go to a level and I'm be honest, before we got on the call today, I was writing a thank you note to an individual who literally helped wow. change my life. He helped change yeah. my life professionally. And uh, and I just sent him a thank you note. Uh, because I understand now more than ever, life moves at the speed of relationships. So that that connectivity that we have, that connection, that's where the classroom is made stronger. As I always like to say, life is made better. Life is better when we band together, you know, pun intended. Like it's ensemble. <laughs> Ain't no solos out here. So, uh, yeah, Coach Larry, Coach Larry, mo much love today because he was a sound adult. And, and now more than ever, I'm reminded that every child is just that one sound adult away from discovering their own sound of success, so to speak. And, and you are living that. And his legacy song lives on. His legacy song lives on through you Absolutely. and through those countless amount of individuals that that he poured into. So I think that is a fantastic transition. Look, we're going to we're going to move to our, 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 our next point uh, of the podcast. Wow. Wow. Listen, if you're listening today. <laughs> You understand. I always like to tell my guests, we, we bring in the fire. We bring the A game. We're bringing folks that are not just going to teach uh, and preach, but they're, they're, they're going to pour into you in a significant way. Because at the end of the day, I think everybody on here knows what they're doing when it comes to teaching in the classroom. But sometimes knowing what to teach is not enough. Sometimes you, you've got to have a little bit more. You've got to have that thing that helps you go back to your why, that thing that helps you fall in love with it again for the first time and uh, second time, third time. Sometimes you got to go back to the well. And uh, you have definitely brought us back. You've nourished us uh, with our time together, but we're not done. So so hang tight. B, we got a tradition. All of our guests, right. this is rapid fire. We put you on the hot seat. So uh, we call it our sound check. So hang tight. Don't go anywhere. On the other side of this sound, we'll be back with our sound check. Stay tuned. Mic check one, two, one, two. Mic check one, two, one, two. Hey, once again, we are back. Yours truly, Mickey Smith Jr. We're here with Coach B, Brandon Burns. Uh, look, Assistant Director of Education for Eric Thomas and Associates, but just just a good dude. Like like you you're hearing it, guys. Just just a good guy, and 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 he's definitely been bringing us great great thoughts today and great tools that we can use. And um, I, I definitely definitely don't want to get away without putting him through the sound 180, <laughs> see the sound Mickey Smith Jr. tradition of sound check. So you ready to be checked, bro? Oh, I'm ready. Right. I'm ready. This is how we do it. Every morning, I do what I call a sound check. And the sound mm -hmm. check is an acronym. It's actually a quadrant, okay? 
don't tease me. Okay, I know quadrants got four parts to it, and I know the word sound has five letters. That is not that's not Louisiana math. Don't you pick on my state, okay? Because I'm gonna pick on Alabama. You pick on Louisiana. I'm just saying we've been getting along right. good. So look, look, look. There's a method to the madness. <laughs> but I will say this: every day I go through my quadrant, and I and I I write down and I internalize and I intentionalize, if that's even a word, how I am going to be mindful in doing these things in an effort to be that sound that helps bring change to the life of some child or some colleague or just my community in general. So let's get after it, man. Uh, when I throw out these acronyms, I want you to hit me back with what that means for you. So uh, not rehearsed, in the moment, spontaneous. Let's see what you got, man. S-O-U-N-D. You ready? I'm ready. Okay, S stands for see yourself beyond yourself. If I were to tell you to see yourself beyond yourself, what does that mean to you? You have to see yourself beyond your current reality. If all that you can see is the situation that you're in right now, you can never see something better. And hope is the seed where all growth comes from. And so if you can't see beyond what you're currently in, there's no hope for a better future. Wow. 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 <laughs> it's hope or blind. Like it's just, <laughs> wow, that's, that's some strong stuff. I, look, I, I'm going to let that marinate for a second. Look. we're gonna settle on that one for that's that's strong you wow hope is actually our sight and without hope oh man we have Mm. nothing wow okay all right so you on fire man you know and i look we we should have known if anybody's like mickey why are you so surprised like you've been talking to this man for like x number of minutes you knew he was gonna knock it out the park i knew it but i was still surprised it's like jordan we still got some more left so be careful don't hype me up too much no concerns no (laughs) concerns here we go here we go second quarter here we go o stands for operate in optimism and excellence operating in optimism and excellence what does that mean to you Operating in optimism and excellence goes back to the standards that we talked about earlier. If you don't have a standard of excellence, you don't have anything to stand on. As a sound adult, the only thing that you have to stand on is your standard operating procedure of excellence of what you see for yourself and the people that you're working with. And if that isn't excellent, everything else gets really hollow Hmm. and really empty really quickly. That's good. I always like to say there's really nothing special about me, but there is something significant about me. And I always tell my Mm. students, there's really nothing special. There's, you know, in and of ourselves, there's nothing that makes us better than anyone else. We're not more special than anybody else, but everyone carries a level of significance. But that significance, as you put it, is only realized through standards. It's only realized Mm. when we have a standard that we either hold ourselves to or we're striving for. Um, so that that's good. That's good. That's real good. I like that. I like that standard of excellence. All my band heads out there, all my music directors, beginning band, they all got geeked up because there's actually a book called Standards of Excellence. That's that's uh, oh wow, joint. Yeah. <laughs> so that's good. That's good. All right. So here we go. We got S. We got O. U stands for mm, utilize all available resources. Mm, oh, that that one's easy. For me, as a introvert, as somebody who struggled with self-confidence and self-worth and self-value almost my entire life, 
uh, I was always afraid to use the resources that I had. Even when I first started working for Eric Thomas, I've got the number one motivational speaker's phone number in my phone. And I know for a fact, unless he's on stage, he's going to answer. And I would still be hesitant to call him because I didn't feel like I was worth speaking with for a man of his stature. And so utilizing the resources that are at your disposal, it just comes down to, are you willing to value yourself enough to utilize what you know is necessary to get you to where you want to go? Because you've got it. It's at your disposal. It's only a question of if you'll use it. Mm. So understanding the value of the resource starts with understanding the value that you carry first, because otherwise it's, mm -hmm. it, it's just a tool that's not going to do anything. That's, that's, that's good. I, that's deep. I, nobody, <laughs> nobody has said that. Y'all get, look, listeners, y'all got it. Y'all getting it here first. It's some powerful stuff. Wow. That's good. That's good. All right. So coming up on our last one. Okay. We had see yourself beyond yourself. Knocked it out the park operating optimism and excellence double right utilize all available resources grand slam right i don't even know what you could do on this one i mean we've already <laughs> we've already we already got three runners batted in at this point so let's see let's see what we got the next one is in nourish relationships takes a village mm -hmm. nobody has ever gotten anywhere on their own even if you look at the most successful people that we all look up to they still had people help them along the way. Nobody is self-made, absolutely nobody. They still had people around them who either supported them, who gave them an opportunity, who gave them a shot. If you don't nurture your relationships, you don't have anything because at the end of the day, you know, there's always that uh, Denzel Washington quote, you'll never see you all behind a hearse. So when we leave here, it's those relationships that count. Larry had relationships. Yeah. He had relationship capital. That's why his funeral was shut down. Not because he made a bunch of good gymnasts. Wow, wow, wow. See. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Relationship capital. That's all we can really leave in this thing called life is what we believe. So, so like mm. our actions and our deeds are like a seed that we're, that we're, that we're planting, that we're sowing. And, uh, that's important because you can't take it with you. So how many relationships can you make better because you were there? How is the room better because you were in the room? That's, that's, that's the whole game. That's it. <laughs> and look, hearing that from you speaks volumes because hearing you start off that whole idea that there's no self-made anyone when you yourself mm -hmm. have been in circles where you've seen significant individuals you've seen noteworthy individuals you've seen folks that have acclaim and prestige and they they've been awarded and, and and yet and still when you're in those circles and you're in those rooms people talk and you hear the conversations okay. and you begin to understand as I said before, there's nothing special about any of us, but there is something significant about all of us. But that significance is only realized when we're sound. And part of being sound is nourishing those relationships, understanding that we're only as good as we are together. That's a message that I think anybody that's listening under the sound of our voice needs to hear today, because if you are drowning in the noise, I need you to I need you to turn the noise down. I need you to I need you to hear the sound. I need you to see the sound. Why? Because when we talk about noise, it's an understanding that nothing of importance stops excellence. It's just noise. Nothing of importance stops excellence. And I have to remind myself that even all these things that are coming against me and all these things are not greater than the sum of the relationships that I nourish, 
uh, it's, it's not greater than my ability to utilize the available resources, my ability to operate in that optimism and excellence. And as you put it so eloquently to, to start it off, my ability to see what's not able to be seen by most, see beyond myself. And if you do those things, S-O-U-N-D, then B, I think it puts you in a position to D, don't stop, keep on going. Mm. But that's the result of the sound. And um, man, this has been this has been great. This has been great. I appreciate you carving out time in your day. And for those that don't know, like this gentleman, like so many of our guests, uh, has a very demanding schedule. And and I'm always honored when we can get folks on to pour into others and to add value into our listeners. And uh, I promise you that the the words that you heard today, if you implement them, if you meditate on them, if you uh, if you operate them properly, you will definitely see a reward. Uh, you'll see a benefit and you'll see an increase in what you do because, uh, you know, we're not just uh, we're not just members. We're, we're, we're the clients and the presidents of, of, of the sound club, so to speak. So uh, That's it. this has been this has been good, man. So, look, uh, if, if you would, if you got a little something to share with us on the way out, uh, I definitely want to provide you that opportunity, B. But I, I definitely would be remiss if we got off this call today without uh, providing you an opportunity to let folks know how they can uh, how they can continue to follow you, uh, how they can partner with you, whatever that looks like in this season as you continue to grow and and even if it's an affiliate that 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 they need to be mm-hmm. connected with, let us know how we can do that. Obviously, folks know from my standpoint, MickeySmithJr.com. Many of the things we talked about today, including this, uh, th- these are things that are available. We can we can share with you. But B, uh, Brandon, you've you've shared so much. How can we continue to walk together in this journey uh, of life? Definitely. Well, the first thing that I would say is you need to keep on listening to this podcast. Uh, you know, Mickey is definitely, he's in my starting five. I'll put it that way. He, he knows what he's talking about and he's one of the most real, um, just good guys I think I've ever met. So keep listening to this podcast is my first piece of advice, but, uh, number two, extreme teachers. So we got to rep the the brand. Uh, that is Eric Thomas's uh, education division. You can visit that at www.extremeteachers.com. We do professional developments at schools. Uh, we have a certification. You can go through all sorts of things to take educators, uh, and their schools to the next level. So that's definitely a big one. If you want to get linked into that Eric Thomas community, uh, for my personal stuff, www.b-burns, B-U-R-N-S, dot uh, com if you want one-on-one coaching speaking uh, for myself etc cetera, etc cetera. and then i am b burns on instagram is where i live on the internet i don't do the other social media networks i just do instagram yes, got my one thing that's and it. i stuck to it yeah, you gotta stay in the <laughs> lane stay in the lane that's it that's it that's it that's it and mickey you know the number one most important thing is action you know i think uh, we're in a an information age where information is so easy to to access and action is almost more difficult because we're, we're sometimes drowning in a sea of information instead of swimming in it. And so I would just implore anybody listening to this podcast, whether it was something I said or, you know, I do something about it and don't wait until tomorrow. Don't wait until next week. Don't wait until next month. Don't wait until the new year. Uh, do something about it today. Come up with a plan of action and implement it. Um, and I promise you, I promise you the rest takes care of itself. Man, there ain't many people that can come on my show and step on my toe. But I'm gonna tell you, man, <laughs> you a toe stepper, man. That's what I'm talking. Hey, look, I got some other folks. To stay back. I got some other folks listening. I, I hear the toes. I hear the ouches, and that's a good ouch because that's where growth happens. And uh, definitely, definitely, action is the name of the game in this season. Don't just talk about it. 
be about it in this season. And uh, if you're going to be about it, no better person to tell you to be about it than be himself. So I appreciate (laughs) you, man. And uh, I appreciate you, the listeners today. Thank you. Thank you so much for 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 just sharing a little bit of your time and taking us through your journey, your day, your commute, uh, whatever you may be doing, however you may be and how and wherever you may be. I'm so glad that we are here, so to speak, together. And I want you to know this, that whether you're a teacher or not, you're an educator. Because at the end of the day, an educator is someone who simply adds value to the life of the individuals that they've been charged over. Remember this, that the life you live is the class. And the world we live in is simply our classroom. So above all else, make your classroom sound. Make your teaching epic. And I promise you, your legacy will be significant. Until next time, keep on going. Your sound will change the world if you do just that. Find out more today, MickeySmithJr.com. See the sound. Can you hear the sound, heartbeat? motherless child as we search for love we all need warmth of a smile there's a sound that is so sweet when we hear child you belong so let our words of love flow freely like a river strong Let us need the sound to change the world. Let us be the sound to change the world. Let us be the sound to change the world.
Change them.